0: So uh, we're privileged tonight to have a special speaker. Clay Lamb is from Iowa. I keep trying to get him from somewhere else, but I think I got it right. He's from Iowa. He, he is working at Seaboard as a site superintendent for the remodel and the work construction work that's being done there. So he's not going to be with us, you know, unless God would tell him something, just in case. Uh, But um, he will be here for a while. So tonight, we are very privileged to have Clay Lamb come and and speak to us. And and, uh, come on up, Clay. Let's just give him a big hand. Uh, I think it's on. Yeah. Well, hey, guys. I just want to start by saying thank you to the church. You guys have absolutely reached out and made me feel welcome here. Every time that I've walked in, people have grabbed a hold of me, grabbed my hand, gave me a hug, let me feel welcome. That's an important part. That's something that doesn't come by accident. Before I start, I'd like to start in prayer. Holy Father, I thank you that your redemption is available to each and every one of us. That even though we don't know you're calling us, you're there for us. Even when we don't feel that you're right at our side, you're right there every day, the whole day. For that I am thankful. Amen. Amen. So, I'm just a regular guy. I've lived my life um, in a... grew up in a Presbyterian church. They basically had no power of the Holy Spirit. Not every one of them, but several of them. They didn't know what the presence of God was. And as a result, I saw every generation walk away, me being one of them. I walked away as soon as I could. And I had no idea why anybody would even go to church. So I spent my life as a good man by today's standards. I did good. I didn't hurt people. I made sure I helped people. I gave. But I wasn't good because of what Jesus had done for me. That's something that each and every one of us needs to have inside of us. So um, I lived my life a long time, raised my kids, didn't give them Christ at all, nothing. (laughs) And I had a company that I was uh, running for quite a while, 35 years, and the company got pretty busy and I didn't, sleep a whole lot, and I ended up having to learn how to sleep. My wife basically said, you're going to die a young man if I don't learn how to sleep. So two hours a night wasn't enough. So I went and I learned how to meditate a little bit. Um, I stayed with Christian meditations, not because I was a Christian. I was not a good Christian. I was not even a Christian. Anyway, the bottom line is, I had stayed with this meditation and it walks you through all the, clearing your head of all the junk. And then this woman's voice came on and said, You can ask Jesus for anything at this point. Well, I had no need for Jesus, I had no room for him in my life. Basically, it was a crutch for people who didn't have everything figured out. Well, it reset my my sleeping. I was able to sleep through the night, and everything went back to normal. But about six months later, my father had a a gallbladder surgery, and he went septic. He's 80 years old. Um, I get a phone call from my brother saying, you know, Get to the hospital. You absolutely need to get here now because the doctors are giving us the long face. He's not gonna make it, he's had a heart attack, he's, his oxygen level has dropped below 50, and, and even if he does pull out of it, he's going to be a vegetable. He's damaged forever. Well, that's what the doctor said, and I had no other, I had nothing to give my father. I'm not a doctor. I have no faith in this God that my father knows, that my my father actually stands by his whole life. I had nothing for him. But he believed in this God, this God I didn't know. So I did that meditation that night. And I said, if he's he's still alive tonight, I'm going to do this meditation and I'm gonna ask Jesus. So there's some power in your teaching of these little kids. Let me just sidetrack a little bit here. Because each and every one of you have taught a child something about Jesus, whether it be in Sunday school or or something else. But I remembered something from my Sunday school days of of an era in my life where I walked away from God. But it stuck with me. There was a little pamphlet. Um, I don't even know if it was a coloring or what it was, but it, it stuck with me. It stuck with me. It had a picture of Jesus walking down off of the Sermon on the Mount in blue robes. And I just pictured him, and I asked him. I spoke to him for the first time in my life. I said. I'd visualized Jesus in the room with my father and myself. And I said, Jesus, please heal my father. And I have nothing to offer my father. But whoever this is, this, this God that he believes in, is supposed to be a healer. He not, I, I had no idea what he would do. He just reached over and he touched my father on his head. I got an electric energy that went through me, and I was wide awake. So I sleep zero that night. I have no idea how to explain this or what to say to anybody, but I know that something happened, and I don't know what it was. I get to the hospital early in the morning, I wait for the the doctors, at the emergency room, um, at the intensive care area, for them to walk out, and then I just grab the door and walk in like I belong there. I'm not supposed to be there that early, but my father is uh, supposed to be dead before the morning. That's what everybody says. Well, my father is behind the glass. and He points to his mouth points to me and goes like this. He wants the breathing tube out. So he does that two times. And I go ahead and I uh, go and tell the nurse, and the nurse says, oh, honey, he's never getting back up. I said, well, something's happening, you better look again. And she walks over and she calls some code out, and then this, this nurse, gets a whole bunch of people together, and they put him in a medical coma. He's been in a regular coma for, for quite a while. Well, the doctors say this is an anomaly. He's gonna pass today. We don't know why he's fighting it, but whatever reason, it's just a matter of time. Well, I know something happened, and I didn't understand it. And all day long, his oxygen level goes up, all day long. So this oxygen level, it it goes all the way up to 90. And the doctor says, well, if he makes it through the night, we're going to see what we can salvage out of this man. We're going to put him through all the tests that are out there. Well, I said, well, he just needs another shot of Jesus. I don't, don't understand what I, why he would need more, but I knew nothing. I knew nothing of the Word of God. I knew a few of the stories from when I was young. The kiddie stories. The ones that we tell about the power of the Holy Spirit, but then we forget to tell them later on when they're, when they're in high school. About the move of God that's in their life right now. Amen. So... I go home, I do the same meditation that I did the night before, and I usher Jesus in. And I say, Jesus, please heal my father. Well, the first time it was just quick as could be. He reaches over and touches my father. But now it's totally different. He looks down at his feet and he looks over at my dad and looks back down and he reaches over and touches me on my head. And I get that energy going through me like I had before. Again, not being in church, not being in the Bible. I had no idea what was going on. There would be no way to explain it. And I don't tell anybody, because they're going to come get me with a white jacket. <laughs> anyway, so my dad, the next day, he goes and uh, he has his, uh, his body scanned for the whole day. and They get him back. And they say, well, we can't find anything that's wrong with him. He had a heart attack and he's got a tear. We can fix that. And if we didn't have the surgery or this scan, he would never see Christmas because he had an aneurysm like a thumb off of his aortic artery. So not only did they have nothing that is unfixable, but they found something that would kill him again. My father, he goes and has that surgery. He has the first surgery. Well, no, let me back up, because I forgot a section of it. So we just go home that night. Everybody was you know, relieved. Everybody was ready to have a good night's sleep. I was ready to enjoy this time where I can try and unwind and figure out what this God that I didn't know was doing, this God that I I didn't deserve to ask, but I was wrong. So I go home, and I live on a dead-end street. I have no neighbors, and uh, I have a car coming up my drive, or not up my drive, up the the street to the end, and it's a Commonwealth Edison car. Commonwealth Edison is our uh, electric company. And um, what ends up happening is, this, this guy comes out of his car, and he's just writing on the clipboard, and I'm thinking, it's nine o'clock at night. How can I have a guy here from, from the Commonwealth Edison at this time of night? I can't get him on my job nine to five. <laughs> nine o'clock at night. There's a man standing there. I walk up, and I just, this is a distraction. I haven't slept in two nights. And I say, you know, what do you need to do? And he looks up from his clipboard and he says, he's gonna be all right. And I'm not sure what I just heard or what he's talking about, but I'm in construction, so I know exactly how to speak to these guys. I go ahead and I just start rattling off what are we going to do here? What do we need, why do we need to do it? And how are we going to do it? I'm analytical at heart, and I go right into it. He's real kind, real gentle, and he walks me through it for two minutes, and he says, he's being watched. He's going to be okay. And I say, well, wait a minute. I heard that. Who are we talking about, and what are we talking about? He says, I don't know. I knew you needed to know it. So here I am. I have no words for this. All these things that have happened these three days. And then he says, do you believe in Jesus? I said, sure, yeah. He points at my truck. He says, he's in your truck on the way to work. Talk to him. He's in your truck on the way home. Talk to him. Then he grabs me, puts me in a big bear hug. And he says, he's never going to leave you. So I don't know what to say to this man other than have a nice day, you know. <laughs> I I don't understand what's going on and I'm certainly not churched enough to, you know, speak the language. But I do know that something happened. I do know that this God that I didn't know stepped into this world and changed it. So my dad has surgery. Everything goes well. They have to do the heart surgery first. They're going to wait and recover and do the aneurysm surgery. So he's recovering, and he's in between surgeries. He's on um, the back patio at his house, and I, I come over and I, I have this conversation with him. I tell him exactly what I've told you, what happened while he was in a coma. Now. Dad's the kind of guy that, you know, there's a lot of farmers and ranchers around here. I saw him cut off two fingers almost all the way off. He didn't even wince. He just grabbed a rag and went on with what he was doing. <laughs> but I've never seen him cry. My father started crying, he cried for a good 20 minutes hard. And I didn't see that side of him ever in my life. And he says, I was never alone, not for one minute. That's the God he knew. That's the God that he tried to represent to me my whole life, and I turned away from. So dad says, i got to take a nap. He was exhausted from crying. He goes home. He's crying. I'm crying. I head home. A lot of people have, uh, um, you know, talked to Jesus and had a little bit of prayer time. And I'm sure a lot of you hear of a lot of prayer time. You're not your regular 9 to 5 Christians. You're here on a Wednesday night. This matters to you guys. Well, I didn't understand all that. I had no idea what it meant to know Him. They never spoke about relationship. I had no idea what prayer was about. Prayer was something that was never taught. And it's, it's something you have to practice. It's something you have to learn. Well, so I went home, and I grabbed a beer, and I sat on my patio. And I'm up against the house and uh, I talk to Jesus for the first time in my life, and I say, Jesus, you're gonna have to explain this to me. You're gonna have to help me understand this. I have done nothing, absolutely nothing for you my entire life, nothing at all. I've been a good man but I've done nothing. I don't know who he is. I haven't gone, even, I haven't never opened my Bible that I was given as a child. It's, a, it's got beer bottle stains on it. <laughs> I'm just being honest here. But this Jesus that I didn't know, I, I feel his presence just fill me up. And it's the same presence that I had felt when I had prayed for my father. I don't know if it was called praying at that time, but whatever it is, that was his Holy Spirit that I felt for the first time in my life outside of that. I had no idea how to explain it to anybody, but I said, Lord, you know, Am I supposed to do something here? Am I supposed to ask forgiveness at this moment? Well, I've been a good man. I've led a pretty good life, but, you know, there's sin. You look back and, you know, you, you read the Ten Commandments. There's sin. So here I am, you know, no church, no pastor, nobody who really knows the Lord around me. I'm surrounded by people who don't go to church. Well, I just say, what am I supposed to do? Ask forgiveness in this moment? What am I supposed to do? Catalog all the junk that I can think of? How do you start that conversation? I'm 52 years old. I said, you better pull up a chair. (laughs) I don't know even where to start, but I, I formulate a sentence. I just, you know, Jesus, please forgive me and he stops me right there. He, already, he saw all the things I did. He didn't need to hear it. He just needed to know I was sorry for it. Right. There was not one moment in that there was not, no condemnation, no nothing. His presence just filled me. And I felt his presence wrap around me. And it felt like arms around me. And I was being held in this love that I, the only way I can describe it is, it's a liquid love. It, it's a love like something I've never experienced before. It's a love that can't be explained by words, can't be explained by human thoughts. It was a perfect holy presence of God. Anyway, I don't know how long he held me there. I have no clue if I was um, there for five seconds or five minutes, five hours. I know it wasn't five hours because the family hadn't gotten home from work and school yet, but it it was an undeterminable amount of time and as soon as i was standing up and i knew things i knew things that i couldn't have known before i knew that i had been lied to first and foremost that we have been lied to over and over and over by this world people don't want to know that god is good unless they really know it's good he's good. This goodness of God is something that was an urgency that was put in my heart. I knew that not only did I lack so much knowledge of of who he was, but everybody around me did. Everybody. My neighbors my children. And here I know that in that moment I knew that the Bible was true and I never picked it up. So I, I needed to get to know this God. I had to spend some time understanding who He was. This God is so patient, so kind. 52 years He didn't stand there with his arms crossed, tapping his toes, saying, really? I'm offended by now. You know, I've been calling you for for how long? Mm -hmm. Not one minute. Mm -hmm. All he did was wrap his love around me and let me know that I was his. Mm -hmm. And I will always be his. And I was born to be his. Mm -hmm. So all these people around me, what do I do with them? How do I deal with that? How do I deal with all the people that I've let down by not letting them know who God is? Now, I would have been critical of those people that knew God. I would have made fun of them. But now I know truth. Truth changes you. You can never unsee The mountain moving. So now every time that I think something good towards somebody or if I think about Jesus, his spirit floods me. Mm -hmm. And he fills me up. And I'm overjoyed. And nobody can steal that from me. So I go ahead and I spend some time with him. I, I spent four years in a Bible study with uh, Judson University, and then I, um, I've done several other Bible studies and um, really dug into the Word of God. And I had to do it in an analytical way to start off with, but that didn't, all that did was tell me the stories. That didn't tell me what God was doing in those stories. So as I slowed down and I got to know God and I spent some time, really digging in to what he was saying. I was able to see things in the Bible that I never, never would have seen before. I saw Jesus all the way through. I read Job. And I don't know if anybody's ever read Job and seen Jesus in that book. It is, it is way far away from anything to do with Jesus. But what does Job say? He says, if only there was an advocate here. If only somebody was there to stand between me and God and make me righteous once again in his eyes. That's what Jesus did for me. He stands in the gap and he makes me holy enough to receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm so thankful for that. I have no idea what I would do without this God that I didn't know, and I know so many people are out there that um, struggle with religion, and that's just what it is. it's religion. But when we turn it into a relationship, a relationship changes things Amen. you know if 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 I meet somebody on the street and we say hello, we just you know it's... It's not really knowing the person, it's just you know, being cordial. But if we take a drive and we have to go somewhere, we get to know each other a little bit more every time. And as we get to know the Lord, as we get to know who He is, He changes you. He reveals things inside of you, and you can start to believe His words. So being a clean slate as far as church goes, there, there was no indoctrination, I suppose I would put it. The churches didn't have any hold on me, I didn't have preconceived knowledge of what the church really was, so I believed the Bible. I had no choice but just to believe what I had read about the Bible and this Jesus that I was coming to know. So as we come to know Him through His Word and We believe his word. If we believe his word the world changes. We can believe for people to be healed. We can believe for people to be changed. We can believe for the mountain to move. Over my short period of time as a a Christian, I'm nine years old, I'm just a little kid running around his knees still. And I'm I'm so happy to be at that age. I don't want to be so far gone that I'm not just that happy little kid, happy to be saved, happy to be loved by my father. If I lose that, I lose it all. This unbelievable love, it doesn't come by accident. God called me, I'm probably the least likely person that he would call. And I know Paul talks about it when he had to knock him off his donkey and teach him a little lesson and prove to him that he was God. But in his own way, God did that same thing to me. God changed me. You know, some people need a little nudge on the back, a little, you know, pat, knowing that, you know, Jesus loves them. Some people need a, a swat. some people need a boot. I suppose I needed a boot um, because I was so cynical. I was living a life with only one thing in mind. I was a founding member of Clayism. I'm the only member, but I was a founding member. There's nothing in it for anyone else or myself. My theology changed overnight. The minute that God touched me, the minute that I knew it was Him, the minute that I could accept that it was Jesus in my life, I could no longer live a life of clayism. And dying to myself is what's been going on for the last nine years. It's a process, guys. It doesn't happen overnight. I sure wish that, you know, with that one touch from Jesus that I would uh, never have to say that I, you know, have done anything wrong, but I can't. What I can say is that he's changed me completely. I can see people for what he sees them as. I can see past what their sin is to what he created them to be. I'm not saying that I can live in that that light every day, every moment of every day. But what I can say is that if you keep reaching out to Jesus and you keep trying to see people the way that He sees them, He'll show you that. He'll show you how much He loves those people. And when you step out in faith, He will reward you. As you pray for people, He'll move them out You can't move the mountain unless you're going to believe, though. So each and every one of us needs to be able to read the Bible and know that his words are backed up with his power. His power in the Holy Spirit is in us and is just waiting to boil out of us. I can't think of one time where I regretted praying for somebody. Have I seen the mountain move every time? Absolutely not. People would turn me into something that I'm not. But I have seen the mountain move, and you see it one time? That's it. You can't turn back. You can never look at it the same way again. So I'm going to grab onto that next little baby, and I'm going to pray for that baby. Whatever happens, I'm going to give them everything I have, which is nothing. But Jesus. So guys, I, I think that uh, all I really have to offer you is what God's done in my life. And He is I'm nobody special. Well, I am in His eyes. But knowing that you're loved is half the battle. Once you know that you're loved and you know it down deep that He loves you more than you could love yourself, your whole world changes and nobody can steal that from you. It's worth more than all the gold in the world. So I'm going to just close in prayer, but before I do, does anybody have any questions? I'm more than happy to answer any questions if anybody asks. What brought you through our well, I wasn't going to go to your church. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, actually I was praying and fasting and uh, everywhere I go I try and uh, find the right church. I have to travel quite a bit for work so it's here and there and everywhere and wherever i go i try and find a like-minded believers that are going to feed me and maybe i can help them and in the end i was going to go to some church on the other side of the town i don't even remember the name but it was supposed to be open at that time that i was going there i got there and they weren't the doors were closed Nobody was there. So I drove back around here and everybody was walking in. So I decided, well, we'll give them a try. <laughs> so it's not like I go church shopping, it's I go church shopping for one that is filled with the Holy Spirit because I cannot waste any more time in my life. Here I am, I'm sixty one years old. You know, I'm not a spring chicken. But I'm not old i need I need the Holy Spirit to build me up and keep building me up each and every day we have um, We have no excuse for us not to go after God. I seem to like I, the story of uh, Jacob just as he's going to get back to uh his brother in uh, Esau, and he's over by the uh just about to cross over the river to meet his brother in the morning and and he wrestles with God all night. And I keep thinking, I'm not letting him go either. I have nowhere to go but in his arms. So I grab a hold of him by the big toe if I have to. And I'm gonna enjoy grabbing on to him until he blesses me. And he's blessed me over and over and over. He's blessed me with you guys. He's blessed me with this church. I walk in the door and I look at the library and I know that I'm in the right place. I know you're thinking of getting rid of the library, but I walked into that, in the door and I, and I saw the types of books that are on your shelves and I knew that you were welcoming the Holy Spirit everywhere you go. The Holy Spirit is a big part of this church and it's a big part of Jesus' church because it is his church. So, anybody else have any questions? You got one? You told us a little bit about how you were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can you just give that a short excerpt about how you were baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, being baptized in the Holy Spirit wasn't exactly something that I, was, um, I knew anything about. Not uh, right off the bat, anyway. I was um, shortly, I mean within weeks of uh, my born-again moment, I was w- woke up in the middle of the night. I felt the presence of God on my chest. I was in bed, and I don't know how long his presence was right on my chest. I could feel physical pressure down, and I felt his presence. And in the morning, I knew a whole new language, and I didn't even I never knew anything about I knew that people. Bad mouth speaking in tongues. I didn't even know it was a gift of the Spirit. I never had, a, um, I never had any churching on that stuff because the Presbyterian Church doesn't teach on it at all. So how do, you teach on, how do you receive something that you never even heard of? Obviously, he needed to wake me up. I needed to wake up. Did you have a question? Oh, you had a question. Is your dad still alive? My dad is alive today. He's he's awesome. He my father knows just how blessed he is. My father has never wavered in my life as far as his ability to understand that he and God have a relationship. But he's from a generation that we don't talk about things. We don't talk about your health, we don't talk about politics, and we don't talk about God at the dinner table, other than saying that quick little prayer. That's got to change. Each and every one of us needs to step out and talk to our neighbors about how good God is, because if we don't tell our neighbors how good God is, then they die without Him. They die without Him, and we keep our mouths shut shut about it it's our fault we've got no one to blame but ourselves the pastor here isn't the only one that has to talk about God it's everybody's responsibility everybody needs to have compassion towards one another have compassion towards you know somebody at work I can't tell you how many times where I've felt like the Lord was leading me to some young man at work. And I'll start talking to him and the Lord will show me something about him sometimes. Sometimes it'll be just a little something about their life. And then they open up to you. If you can get them to open up to you, they'll consider Jesus as a viable option. Once they consider him and they they welcome him. God will do the rest. He's so good at it. It has been our honor to offer this message today. If you would like to partner with us as we continue to bring the Word of God, we would ask that you prayerfully consider supporting Victor Center with a financial donation. You may do so today via the online giving portal at VictorCenter.org. Thank you.